front of you this morning as well. You know, we were praying this morning and uh, I, I, I got this picture of the constellation, a constellation of stars and I felt like the Lord was saying to us as a church that you as a church are a constellation. You're a constellation of stars. And what makes, it, what makes a constellation great, what makes it different is that every constellation is different. And every constellation has bright stars. It has stars that don't seem as bright or or, or are they just further away? We don't know. You know, there's, there's, many different, there's many different constellations. And he says, what makes you beautiful is that when you're together worshipping me, you are the picture of a constellation of heaven. And he says that, that some of you, you know, some stars seem brighter and some stars seem dim. And the goal, the goal for each of us is not to be the bright star. The goal for us is to be in the constellation and do what God has called us to do. And if we're all bright stars, then no one would be a bright star. If, so the reality is sometimes, you know, I, I, I think about this church and, you know, you might think the bright stars are the people who hold the microphones. But, you know, I, you know, I, I lean on this amazing group of people called our eldership who, who, who love and pray and support and challenge and keep us accountable to the, to the journey we're on. And, you know, these guys, to me, are the bright stars. Who decides what's bright? You know what I mean? I know when if I if, if I'm thinking with the eyes of the Lord and He looks He looks at us, He sees different bright stars than we see. I know there's a group of ladies who get together and have a prophetic prayer meeting for this church every Thursday, and the and the words and the encouragement and the hope that comes out of that is is a blessing to us beyond measure. We have a prayer meeting each Sunday at 9 a.m. for half an hour. So if you if you want to come and pray for this service, come along and and. and in, and encourage and support and set a platform for God to do business with his people on Sunday. But he says, you're a constellation and, and you simply being present, participating in his house is a key part of what makes you beautiful. You think of the Southern Cross and there's those five key stars in the Southern Cross. There's the four bright ones, then there's that little one just off to the side. It wouldn't look right without that little star, would it? All those guys with the, with the Southern Cross tattooed on their body, they wouldn't look right with the little star missing, would they? They'd just go, why well, they got four random stars on them? Because every star, every aspect of the constellation is what makes it beautiful, is what makes it... You know, we name the constellations, don't we? It might be the saucepan or the Southern Cross or whatever, whatever they all are. He says, sometimes, you know, you, you don't see your relevance. But let me tell you from, you know a million light years away, your beauty is relevant to me. So I believe the Lord wants to know that, that, that you are valuable, that he sees beauty in you, and that your presence and your, your contribution and your presence does not go unnoticed. What happens, though, is we don't always see things glorified individually. We see constellations glorified, and in, them, in their glory, we give him glory. So be encouraged that God sees you, and he loves you, and, he, and, he's, and he's, he's saying to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, we've got a, uh, a council election coming up in a couple of weeks' time. And in this, in this building, 
uh, we will be hosting a, an interview or a, or a question time with the, with the candidates of the election. So if you want to come and grill the candidates with me and uh, find out, you know, find out their, their level of integrity and, and interest in this community, why don't you come along in a couple... We'll, we'll, we'll let you know the date. I think it's Tuesday, uh, Wednesday the 2nd of, of, um, of March right here in this auditorium and it's going to be overseen by the Chamber of Commerce and the Ratepayers Association where we can, we can just... We can just, one, encourage these guys, two, challenge these guys, and three, ask any questions of these guys. Because we all love to give them a hard time once they're in, but now's our opportunity to find out who they are before we participate in the great liberty of a democracy, which is to vote. So uh, I encourage you to, to, to be present um, at, at something like that. Uh, everyone had a good weekend? I went for a, I, I donned the lycra yesterday. And I uh, went for a cycle down David Low Way with some other mammals, middle-aged men in Lycra. And, and we, we had a great time. We, we rode down. It was, it, was, it was quite a warm day. It was a beautiful day, though. But here's the thing. Every time it gets tough when I'm cycling, I just slip behind whoever's in front and tuck in behind their, their uh, windbreak and just pray they don't break wind while I'm behind them. <laughs> Make sure you say those words in the right order. They're a windbreak. And it's, it's an amazing thing. You actually gain, the statistic is you gain 30% of energy when you're sitting behind someone on a bike. Amazing, um, an amazing uh, thing. And we'll, we'll get back to that later, but I just thought it was, it's just interesting for you to know that, you know, that being in the slipstream is a great place to be. Why don't you turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. Part of our vision this year, our vision of following Christ to freedom, is comes out of this scripture, and uh, we're going to refer to this scripture many times this year. So, so uh, I, I want I want to encourage you to read it with me now. Follow along with me now, but uh, I encourage you to read this. You know, read it every day if you can, and and, and just contemplate what's being said. Ask God to give you revelation. Ask God to stir your heart's desire to be in relationship with him. Okay, it, start, it's, it starts like this. It says, To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our, and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also... Verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Verse 8, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. 
For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Solid. Solid stuff. Everyone say solid. So good. So this message this morning is for those who love God and who hold their faith in high esteem. You hold your faith in high esteem. It's for also for those people who are getting to know God, who want to know more about God. It's for those who want to keep a close watch on their personal lives. We're having our AGM uh, next week, and, and each year we have an, an AGM you know, because we want to be transparent so that you can closely watch how this church is being run, how the resources are being used, how the people are being, uh, are being uh, uh, challenged and sent. We, we, we want to be transparent because we, we, want to take, we constantly take a close watch on, on the core of how this church runs. And we want, I want to challenge you this morning, are you someone who wants to, to have a close watch and, and follow closely to your own personal life? I love what Paul says, I mean, what Peter says. He says, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to all of you this morning. Grace and peace as you deepen in your experience with God. As we deepen in our experience with God, sometimes, some, why, does he, why, do, why do you need grace and peace when in your, as you gain knowledge, as you're deep in your experience with God? Why? Because he tends to challenge every aspect of your life. He challenges this, so we need his grace and truth to keep us centered. One of, our, one of the previous vice presidents of the United States, Al Gore, uh, campaigned all over the world, and a, and a movie was, was created about his campaign about uh, global warming. And uh, he, he, he titled that movie, An Inconvenient Truth. And uh, he campaigned all over the world for public awareness the dangers of global warming and the response or a call for immediate action just to curb the, the destructiveness of global warming. Now, you, you may or may not, you know, buy into to, uh, global warming, but I just want to, I, I want to, I want to talk about the inconvenient truths today. You see... It is, you know, if global warming is, is what Al Gore says it is, it is an inconvenient truth because, you know, our habits on this earth need to be challenged if what we're doing is, is, is destroying uh, this planet. But there's many inconvenient truths, isn't there? Look down at that shirt you're wearing this morning. Who made that shirt? Who made that T-shirt? You know, the, the majority of, you know, of our clothing in, in, in this world today gets made overseas. And we don't, you know, in Australia we have an, an amazing bunch of laws that protects the worker. The problem with that is that, that it means it costs more. It costs more for us to produce things in Australia. But if you go overseas, you can access cheaper labour, very cheap labour, and you can go into a shop and buy a T-shirt for $5, and you go, how can, how can you even buy the material? How can you do that for $5? That's a question that needs to be answered. Sometimes things that look like a blessing sometimes are attached to an inconvenient truth. And slave labour is an inconvenient truth because none of us in this room like slave labour, but everyone in this room likes cheap products. It's inconvenient, isn't it? There's many inconvenient truths around this place, around this... What about the imitation game? There's an imitation everything. 
isn't there? There's imitation technical products, you know, brands. There's imitation, um, there's imitation uh, even people these days. There's, everyone's imitating someone on the planet. You know, if you're a presidential candidate at the moment over in the States, you know, there's an imitation version of you on Saturday Night Live every night, every, every, every week of the year. The greatest inconvenience in the natural is death. Death is inconvenient to life. But above all these things, I want to submit to you that I believe that the greatest inconvenient truth is Jesus Christ. You see, we're okay with Jesus dying on the cross to give us eternal life. But the inconvenience of that eternal life is he's called us to give up our life and live for him. We're kind of okay with him giving up his life for us, but are you okay to live for him? You see, we, I want eternal life, but for me to follow him and for me to lay down my life for him, for me to live, give my body as a living sacrifice to him is inconvenient because my flesh has things that it wants to do. It wants to go here, it wants to go there, it wants to be in relationship with this person, it wants to buy that, it wants to fly here, it wants to do this and do that. And she's saying, will you live for me first? Will you live for me first? And it is inconvenient. We want his blessing, his healing, his hope, his eternal life, his peace, his righteousness. But living for him is a challenge, isn't it? It's an inconvenient challenge. I was talking about cycling this morning and uh, if if you ride in, say, the Tour de France, the guy who's at the front of the pack is called, I think he's called a domestique. And a domestique is the guy who takes the win for for the people behind him. And the people behind him slipstream and the guy who generally wins the race doesn't take the wind all day. And then in the last 150 metres he just whips out and he's fresh legs. So he just takes off and wins the prize gets all the glory, gets the trophy. Because someone else took the win. Someone else got in front of him and took and took the win. And and he sat in the slipstream this whole way and then won the prize. You know, there's two types of following. There's two types of following. The first type is the following for general direction. And the second type of following is tapping into power. You see, I can follow Christ generally where he's off in the distance. He's over there in eternal life and I can follow him and go, I'm going there. You know, but I'm going to zigzag a little bit along the way. I'm going to do a few things. I'm going to, I'm going to fly over here and, and do this. I'm going to go over here and tap into some of this other stuff. I'm going to do some things, but I'm constantly off in the distance. I've got him in my sights. I'm following him generally. I've got eternal life. I'm following him generally. And then there's the other type of following where I tuck in behind him close. And when I tuck in behind him close, I have got two things going on. I'm protected by his presence and I've got access to his power every day. You see, if, if, you, if you follow me on your, on your bike and, and you, you, know, you, you need to sit there three or four inches away from my back wheel. Your front wheel needs to be there to access the brake, to access the brake in the wind, to access the, to access the power and the protection that the front person gives you. You need to be that close. If you drift back even just a few metres, you're all of a sudden on your own, even though they're in front of you, even though they're in fr- you're actually on your own. 
And this is the challenge with God, isn't it? Is that we love God. We love, we love what, his, what his word says. We love that his, his, his spirit of truth resides in our hearts. We love all these things about him. But are we prepared to tuck in behind him? Because here's the problem. When you're tucked in behind the, the cyclist in front is for a while there, you cannot see anything else. And all you're trying to do is focus on that wheel and keep your wheel about this far away because if that person puts his foot on the brake, you're going to slam straight into the back of him if you're not prepared. And if, you're, if that person, you know, if, if, you go, if you drop off a little bit, you just disappear off the back. The problem is, too, is that when you're following that closely, you can't see the potholes in front of you. You can't see the pile of glass on the road. You can't see the dangers that are ahead. You're just trusting that that person in front of you is going to see them and is going to let you know that they're there so that when he swerves around something or points, you can see to do the same thing. And then after a while... After a while, you, you, you follow, you get good at focusing on that wheel without just sitting there glued to it. In the early days, you sit there glued to it. But as you continue to follow, as you get better at following, not only do you just see that wheel, not only do you focus on that person, but your peripheral vision sharpens. So you begin to see, you begin to see those things that are off in the distance. You begin to see the, the beautiful view around you. You begin to see these amazing things that are happening at the same time as you're following. But that per, the person that you're following never leaves the center of your life. You see, there's many things to look at and enjoy in life. But God is saying, if you will follow close to me, you will still enjoy them. But if you keep me in your vision, I will protect you from the winds of life. I will protect you from the challenges. I will actually, not only will I protect you, but I will empower you. You know, the guy on the bike gives you 30% more energy. God is not a God of percentages. He's a God of multiplication. So he won't give you a percentage of, of protection. He will multiply your power so that the, that the journey that you're on will be quickened. You will get to that finish line quicker. You will, not only will your speed increase by percentages, it will be multiplied. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, we know this famous verse says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. You see, trusting the person in front of you is inconvenient because you actually have to trust them. You actually have to trust them. You actually have to put your confidence in that person and follow them closely. And if they make a mistake, you make a mistake. The beauty of following and trusting God is mistakes are not in his radar. They're not in his capacity. He's perfect. He is just. He is holy. He is mercy. He, he, if he takes you through a pothole, it's for a reason. You're, you're riding through that pothole to get stronger, to, to be equipped to do these things. So when you, when you go through the bumps, if you're followed closely behind him, he is with you. He is protecting you. He is stretching you. He is calling you to, to closely align with him. You see, I think as a church, we've tried to make Jesus convenient. We've tried to fit Jesus into our world instead of try to submit ourselves into his leading. You ask, I ask myself regularly because, you know, in, in the natural, we have these visions and dreams to do these great things. Yet, are we inviting Jesus into our worlds 
or are we submitting ourselves into his will? This is the thing. This is the challenge because, you know, the, the great opportunities and the great power that comes from, from following him is always on the other side of an inconvenience. For him to have power in your life, you've actually got to give up being the power of your own life. This is the battle, isn't it? I've actually got to give up control and give him control. I've got to give up the leadership of my life and allow the spirit to lead me and guide me in my day and trust that he is well able to take us where we need to go. The great leadership guru, John Maxwell, says that life's not about making decisions every day. It's about making a few great decisions and then spending the rest of your life managing those decisions well. You know, when you, when you ask someone to marry you, you know, you, and, and, they, and they say yes, and then you get married, you don't actually get up every day and decide whether you're going to be, have to decide whether you're going to be married or not, do you? You stay married. But if you don't manage that marriage... You don't, if you don't invest into that marriage, if you, don't, if you don't maintain it in some way, then it's, then it's looking at a bumpy road ahead, isn't it? So we make few decisions. You know, we commit. Here's, a, here's an amazing one. Man is generally on a search for freedom. Mankind, generally on a search for freedom. Once you've found Christ, you actually need to stop looking for freedom. And start following him and living in his freedom. I think that one of the big challenges that we have in life as believers is when we've found Christ, we still keep looking for freedom somewhere else. He's, he's, you're still looking for freedom somewhere else. And he's saying, freedom is in me. It's as you abide in me. It's as you follow closely after me. It's as you, it's as you remain in me that you walk in my freedom. So you don't need to look for freedom. You have found it. Now just follow me and walk in it. I'm in a uh, detox at the moment. I've got a sister-in-law who's a uh, naturopath living in our house and who's controlled the food and the fridge. And we're in a detox. And uh, it's, you know, it's a delightful process being in a detox. And uh, I, I don't actually mind it other than the coffee because I didn't actually give up that one. But uh, everything else other than the coffee I've given up, all right? And I think you'll be appreciating that I did not give up coffee. It would be a different service. A different service. Here's the thing. They say the average lifespan uh, of an Australian these days is 82 for men, 83 for women. So one bonus year for the ladies for putting up with us. And, uh, which is around 30,000 days. You've got about 30,000 days to live out. Now, for me, I've already taken up about 15,000 of them. I'm about to to turn 42 this year, so I've I've knocked over 15,000 days already. You know, and I reckon probably about three or four thousand of those were quality days. The other ones I I spent on myself. And uh, but here's the thing: I'm I'm having my 15,000 day service, giving the old body a detox. I'm, I'm giving the I'm giving my body's filtration system a rest because you know. All these delicacies that we put in our mouths, you know, our tongue loves it, but maybe our liver doesn't love it so much. You know, our liver's working overtime, isn't it? We're trying to filter out all the toxins that our mouth absolutely loves. 
So we go through these detoxes, don't we? You know, it's, it's, you know, it's all quite inconvenient for my taste buds, though. Here's, this is the problem. I was sitting at a meeting with a few guys the other night, and, and uh, you know, they were all eating this wonderful Thai food, and, you know, I was eating my chickpea and something or other, quinoa sandwich or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, my taste buds were, um, you know, were challenged by that experience. And because my liver doesn't have a voice, it couldn't tell me to stay the course. But I did. I stayed the course. But wouldn't it, you know, our tongue speaks very loudly, doesn't it? The taste buds speak very loudly. But our liver, which is a long way past our, 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 our tongue, doesn't actually have a voice. And when it screams, you know, you're a long way down the track. It does have a voice, but it's very quiet. And if your liver gets loud, you know, you're probably horizontal in an ambulance, aren't you? You can uh, check all these facts with a doctor during the week. Here's the thing. The better you eat on a regular basis, the less work a detox has to do. You know, we read in, we read in 2 Peter chapter 1, you know, we, we read that everything that pertains to life, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us. He's given us all things that pertain to life, it says. It's, and we, how do we access it? We access it by getting to know Jesus. We access it by getting to know him personally and intimately. We get to know the one who invited us. And getting to know him is like riding a bike. It's about investing our trust in him and keeping our focus on him. We need to invest trust in him and focus on him. And as we do these things, we will get to know him and then we will, we will understand, then we will gain all things that lead to life and godliness. It's the best invitation you'll ever get. It's the best invitation you'll ever get. He's given us great promises. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's given us all things that relate to life. He's, this Bible is full of promises. And it's as we trust in these promises that we end up on a pathway to his liberty. We end up on a pathway to a healthy life with God, a healthy life that isn't dominated by the... By the um, the brokenness of humanity. The closer you are to God, the more peripheral the things of this world are. You see, the challenge, what we tr- we're tr- always trying to give something up in life. Notice how we're always, always trying to do something like detox or we're always trying to, to lose weight or we're always doing something in the negative because we've done, we've, done all the, we've done the things that hurt ourselves. We've done the things that we've fed our minds with the wrong thing. We've fed our bodies with the wrong thing. And, and we're always trying to undo something that we've done. And the challenge that, that I believe that Jesus wants to give to us about following him to freedom is, is not focusing on what you need to undo. It's not about losing weight. It's about getting fit. It's not about, it's not about, um, it, it, it's not about getting memories of previous um, bad mistakes out of your mind. It's about creating new memories with him as you walk closely to him. And the closer you are to him, the more on the periphery, the more on the peripheral of your vision are the challenges of life and other things that you're trying to walk through. So if you're trying to walk through an addiction, if you're trying to walk through something that you just can't let go of, the key is not to try harder, to grit your teeth harder, to stop doing something. The key is to get up every day and say, Lord, 
I'm following hard after you today, close after you today. My goal is to focus on your back wheel and sit in your slipstream and access your power and your authority and your grace and your truth and your mercy because in those things, my ability to get free is multiplied. The Lord wants to multiply you in your strength so that you know. You know, one of the things that we forget, 2 Peter 1 says, is we forget that we're forgiven. We forget that we're forgiven when we stop following him close. We know we're saved. We're, you know, at the end of, this, end of this 82 or 83 years, if you're a lady, you know, I'm, I'm off into, into eternal life. But the reality is right now in this present, I've forgotten that I'm free forgotten that I'm free. He wants you to constantly be reminded that you're free. How do we do that? We do that by continually realigning our focus with him. If you're walking through a challenge, don't focus on the challenge. As soon as Peter, when he was walking on the water, focused on the water and not on Jesus, what happened? Straight down. Like we said in our video, we cannot solve gravity. We cannot solve some of the challenges that are in our lives, but we can do this one thing. We can focus on him. We can focus on him. Psalm 50, 23 says this, whoever offers praise glorifies me. And those that order their conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. Those that order their conversation aright. You know, the, the, the Jews didn't, didn't really have uh, any separation between their conversation and their conduct. So that Hebrew word, I think it's derek, something like that. It, the Hebrew word derek, it can be translated to, into conversation or conduct. Depending on which version you pick up, it'll probably have one of those two words because they're the same thing. We all, you know, part of our, our, our vision this year is to learn the language of heaven because the language of heaven and the conduct of heaven are one. There's an old, there's an old uh, virtue called conversatio moralis, which, is, which, is, which basically means the conversion of your life. The conversion of life. We give our, we give our, our, we give God permission to save us into eternal life, and then now the the virtue that goes alongside that is to give Him permission to 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 convert the rest of our lives on the journey to eternal life. All right. See, God, he doesn't too. He doesn't, it's not just about him choosing the destination. He wants you to follow the desires of your heart. He's not saying you're going to be a builder, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer. He's saying you've got a desire in your heart, you've got gifts. He's saying do those things. But once you've decided, how about you partner with me on the journey? You see, it's not about following, you, you know, when I get behind another cyclist, I know where we're headed. It's not an issue of where we're going in the long run. It's actually he will direct your paths. He wants to direct your pathway. He, does, he wants, he's created you in his image. He's given you desires. He doesn't want you to sit there and think, what does the Lord want me to do with my life? He wants you to follow the desires of your heart, but live every day following him. He's saying, don't worry about, don't worry about tomorrow. Just make a decision about where you're headed, but think about today in regards to me. Follow me closely today, and I will point out the potholes. I will work through you. I'll expand you. I'll encourage you. I'll lead you. I'll lift you up as you go on that journey. You know, we choose our marriage partners, don't we? We get to choose who they are. God doesn't say that person. Every now and then he does. 
but the majority of the time we choose, don't we? Every now and then he, he, he says, marry this person. He did it to, to, to Hosea, didn't he? He, he said, marry this person. You know, but, but most of the time we get to choose the partner, don't we? We get to choose who we're going to marry. But then after that point, after we've chosen, that's when we need to choose him to be at the center of our marriage. We need to choose him to be at the center of our marriage. You know, if you would like to improve your marriage or any life decision, you commit to the destination and then put your trust and your focus on him. Make a decision about a destination, but put your trust and your focus for your everyday life on him. Otherwise, you'll be distracted by where you're at in the destination. Will you look at your marriage and say, we're not where I think we should be. But when you're focused on him, You've already made the decision that you're committed to this relationship, but when you're focused on him, he actually puts the challenges of your marriage in the periphery and you're looking through him at your husband or wife, at your your business partner, at at the person who, who you're in relationship with. You see, like we said, it's no longer about following Christ. It's no longer about finding freedom once we've met Christ. It's about following Christ and living in his freedom. Because it's not always fun, is it? It's not always fun. It's not always entertaining. We don't always agree. It's not always convenient. But when we chose those things, when we chose to accept Christ as our saviour, we weren't choosing to decide whether church was going to be fun or convenient. You know, it's not convenient sometimes, you know, to come to church on a Sunday morning when the surf's running at six foot at, at at first point is it's not convenient because the tides are perfect you know and the reality is it's not convenient to be there it's not always fun because sometimes the pastor gives you a word that's challenging you and not making you not not tickling you it's nice to be tickled every now and then but but sometimes it's about being challenged isn't it the reality of life is this why doesn't the band jump up opportunity is always on the other side of inconvenience always on the other side of inconvenience you see once you make a commitment in life to another person to a business to to living in a community there's there's blessings that come there's a relationship that come there's a richness that comes but there's also an inconvenience and the main inconvenience is it's no longer just about you it's no longer just about you it's about someone else it's about another group of people. When we come to church, it's not just about us. We're a constellation of people. We're a constellation of stars that together shine perfectly the glory of the Lord on our community as we unite, as we commit to being stable, as we commit to listening to each other speak into our lives and speaking into each other's lives. That's the growth. That's what makes us beautiful. Everything about Jesus disrupts life as we know it. It's a good gospel message, isn't it? Everything in Jesus' life disrupts life as we know it for good. Disrupts life for good. See, you know, we've got to remember in Romans eight twenty eight, he says, all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You see, as we, as we connect with him, you know, our life might feel like it's disrupted, but we know that there is a greater good coming. We know that his promise is yes and amen. You know, we know that he is faithful. We know that he sees, he sees all. He's in all. He's through all. And he's of all.
this scripture goes on and on. So we're, we're going to just, you know, it, it talks about adding to our faith. And we're going to get there. We're going to add to our faith. And I, I, like, the, I like the concept of compliment. Not compliment as in, hey, looking good. Compliment as in, this sauce goes great with that meat. He's saying we need to, we've got this basic faith and we need to complement that faith with good character. We need to complement you know, that faith with, with knowledge, with spiritual understanding, with an alert discipline, with passion and patience, with reverent wonder and with love. We need to, to complement it. We, 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 we look at things, we go, that source complements that piece of lamb very nicely. Do you know that virtue complements your faith very nicely? Giving all diligence, add to your faith complement your faith with virtue, with knowledge with self-control with godliness, with perseverance with kindness with brotherly, love, with brotherly kindness and with love each of these things fits perfectly on the previous one and serves them all together and creates a person full of wisdom full of focus, these are the ways that we focus on him why don't you stand with me this morning So the question is, do you want to access his power? Do you want to walk in his authority? Do you want to, do you, do you want to get in the, in the business of multiplication more so than just sheer effort? You see, the Bible, without following closely to God, can become about effort. If you try and be in your own strength, everything that this Bible says you'll be crushed. There's a term in cycling, it's called bonking. You get to this point and your body shuts down. It shuts down. I don't know why they call it that, but sorry, that's what they call it. You see, when we just live out the front and do it in our own strength, we get, we get smashed by things. We get smashed, but he says, if you will choose to follow closely after me, if you will complement your basic faith with my attributes, with the attributes that I talk about, you will end up being a close follower. You will tap into my power. You will walk in my authority, and you will, your speed will be multiplied. And then when, the, when it comes time to go from glory to glory, you, you, you will win the race. So, friends, this morning... There's an invitation. Will you follow after him? Confirm God's invitation to you. Confirm his invitation to you, his choice for you. The Bible says make your calling and election sure. Don't put it off. Do it now. Do this and you will have a firm footing in life. You will know you will be able to rest and you'll be able to push all at the same time. Starts with desire. Is followed by commitment. What I want to challenge you this year, this week, is to take that scripture, take that Second Peter chapter one, take that scripture, and read it. Read it every day this week, and seek a revelation from God. Seek His revelation on following Him closely. Seek His revelation on what it means to know Jesus of Nazareth. Seek a revelation to 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 know Him more intimately. To know Him. And to know that you are free. 
to know that you are whole, to know that you are complete, and to know that he has a power and an authority and a faith that can set you free on your journey and multiply you to the next level in your speed, in your direction, and in your journey. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your truth. We thank you that you have given us all things that pertain to life. We thank you that, that, that you have set your son, sent your Son to set us free, Lord. Lord, we thank you that we are no longer under bondage. Lord, we thank you that we are no longer, we are no longer under, the, under the mistakes of yesterday. We are caught in the slipstream of the most powerful force known in all of history, and that's the force of the King of all kings. So we come behind you this morning. We seek you this morning and we give you all glory. We give you all praise, Father. And we want to, we want to follow you to freedom in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's sing, church.